Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime again in Berks County, Pennsylvania, right here in southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, for five years, you've been tuning in to us because you know we are the authenticity of truth and factualism here in southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, uh, we bring it to you very quickly at the speed of sound. And, you know, whether you live in Jenkintown or whether you live in Redding or Douglasville or whether you live in, in Perky Omen or, or, or Breakknock, it really doesn't matter, folks. You're tuning in to us because you know, you know we have the truth that comes at you at the speed of sound. And we bring a perspective that you just don't get very many places. And that's just the truth that we can all understand. You know, folks, I want to talk a little bit today. We're going to talk a little bit today about what's going on with the Democrat Party and why America is rejecting them. We're going to get into the, the Demo uh, Republicans a little bit more, and, and we're going to try to size up this upcoming this upcoming election and why the election is so critical. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And, folks, we'll get to a whole lot more. So thanks for being with us. We're going to jump right into it. You know, it's really compelling, folks, as I look at you know, what's going on with the Democrat Party. They they understand, they clearly understand what they have with Joe Biden. They, they know that what they have with him is um, someone who, who literally is 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 one fall away from, from throwing himself right out of the race. And I think what's really, really compelling on this, and we need to understand, is what, what is it that's going on right now with the Democrats? Now, they're looking at Joe Biden right now, and they're wondering, can he make it through this first term? Now, I remember Trump was talking about this. He said over and over that it's not likely they're going to be able to make it through their first term. But, folks, this is what's going on right now with the Democrats. They, they don't understand. And I think what could be very well happening, see, with political parties, and people don't understand this, but I'll share with our listeners. Because, again, this is something you're going to get from me, and you'll get right here on our show, but not very many other places get it. So let me bring it to you here. What could likely happen is they'll go without a primary in the Democrat Party. So what they'll have is they'll have Joe Biden get on the ballot. They'll go without the primary in the party. And right about June or so, maybe later, maybe July or maybe even later than that. But they have a certain window to where the party can, the national party can actually appoint, can actually make an appointment of whom they want on the ballot. So, for instance, they may turn around, oh, Biden may turn around and say, I can't run. <clears throat> my uh, my wife says I can't. She's afraid I might fall again, uh, you know, or whatever. I mean, she they're, they're, for whatever reason, he, he, he might just step down. And I think what's compelling on this is, and again, interesting, is that we're watching this, this person, you know, break apart right in front of you. I mean, look, the global stage, look what's going on right now in the national election cycle, what's going on in the national foreign policy ideas and viewpoints on how these countries see him. He really is being viewed upon, viewed as a, a feeble, uh, weak-minded uh, individual who who literally uh, has to probably, and I'm going to probably say he sleeps about 16 hours a day. Now, folks, that's the truth. I, I think the man goes between naps. I think he he has to have vitamin B12 shots. I think the guy has, has a lot of real problems. And, you know, he doesn't, he can't stay focused on a topic. He he can't articulate um, his policy stances. I think he struggles in a lot of areas and and explaining to the Americans, you know, what his stance is on things. And quite frankly, he doesn't want to. You know, when you look at it, I mean, you know, you look at the people that actually view him. They're people that are reprobates that believe, like I said, that it's okay to have $5 a gallon gas prices. These are the people that support Biden. 
I mean, you know, a, a poll that I saw, well, the ABC News Washington Post poll showed Trump winning by 10 points, and it showed that Larry Sabato, a real Trump hater from the University of Virginia, the crystal ball there, used to watch him, but I don't anymore. But all these people have thrown in the towel. They just can't stand the fact that, oh, Biden's behind. And so he says, oh, no, no, that poll's an outlier. There's no way they should have shown that. Well, Larry Sabato's biggest credential is that he picked Hillary Clinton to win against Donald Trump in 16. So I think he has this thing against Trump <laughs> and he's had against Trump because he didn't pick him to win in the first place. OK, but but what's happening in the party is I believe this. This is what they want to do. They know what the early voting scene. They set things up with the early voting. This is what the Democrats did when they got into all these counties and all across the country. With the, with the Facebook Zuckerberg money that came into these counties. And so many counties took this money and revamped their their elections. And the state's election laws would change. Everything was changed to take mail-in ballots. Now, the biggest problem you have with mail-in ballots, again, is the signature verification that goes on the ballots. Now, I call the chain of custody. And this is, I was having a conversation with somebody on this one time. And he was making a comment. You know, he's one of the, one of the uh, you know, the bank experts, okay, are on a, our elected fake experts, but he was making a comment about how I didn't understand chain of custody because he said, well, the signatures aren't a chain of custody. I said, well, they are in a sense that you don't know where the signature came from because you don't know where the ballot is. That's the chain of custody. See, this is what I understand, and, and it is. I mean, chain of custody is you need to know the ballot, where the ballot went and where the ballot came from. I mean, that's the chain of custody. So when you go to vote in a precinct, the chain of custody is you're there. And you sign your name on the ballot, you know, on your electronic poll book, and then you go vote. Now, you were there. That's chain of custody. For the mail-in ballot, it's a lot harder to figure out. For instance, who mailed whose ballot in? Whose ballot, whose signature is that on the ballot? Whose, whose vote went on that person's ballot? What ballot was used for what person? That is a chain of custody issue. So the, the signature is a verification point. To verify a form of chain of custody, if you will, to verify that the ballot was what it is. I just think it's a very interesting thing. And people, I understand that and Americans understand that. Well, what happens is a lot of folks in our elected officials don't understand that. So when we here in Pennsylvania passed the rule to have these mail-in ballots, it was told oh, so many of us that this was such a great idea. Okay. And the Democrats were going to give us in return, they were going to give us here in Pennsylvania the they were going to let us remove the straight ticket vote. And because at the time the Democrats outnumbered the Republicans by about a half a million voters here in Pennsylvania, they thought it was a good idea. Well, they didn't foresee the near future where the Democrats would be outnumbering us by about two or 300,000 votes less than that. Okay. Certainly 200,000 votes less. I think the Democrats have a 300,000 vote lead right now in Pennsylvania all, um, voter registration numbers. But whatever the case is, the mail in ballots have now become a real problem because they go out, they, they they can be requested two months early, okay? And literally they go out and they can start voting and mailing them in at any point. So the Democrats, what's interesting is how late these debates are this year, okay? Now what's compelling on all the, don't admit, I should say, how late, the, how late the conventions are this year. Now normally in years past, if you go back to 1988, 1992, all the way back then, the conventions were in July. Okay, literally, they were in July and early August. Okay, uh, early, like the first week of August. Okay, so there was a there was a there was a way that they were able to campaign. For instance, 
you literally had a campaign that went on for at least six weeks before Labor Day. Then the campaign season kicked in. And then you had a strong campaign from Labor Day right through October. And then, of course, there was no really early voting. So, you know, you had the election. So this is what it was. What early voting does, and, and this is what the Democrats have seemingly mastered, is early voting actually makes it so that, you know, you can stage your campaign to start later and you can allow the media and the stories in the news to kind of lead the way and lead your thinking and lead your good feeling and quite literally make this a beauty pageant type election. So what's interesting is you look at the dates and where the Democrats are having their convention and when the Republicans are having theirs are very late in the season. So what many are thinking is going to happen is the Democrats are going to use the convention or maybe a short period of time before the convention, like maybe a week or two. And they're going to make the announcement of who they want to put on the ticket. That's going to be probably Gavin Newsom, I think. Or, I mean, that's what I think they're looking to do. They're looking to put somebody on that ticket because Gavin Newsom is probably coming out in the eyes of so many of these these socialist communists that are now looking to destroy this American-hating Democrats. He is now the rock star of the American-hating Democrats. He's that. I mean, he's their rock star, Gavin Newsom. Now, there's a lot you can campaign on to defeat Gavin Newsom, whether it be to his fight against, against parental rights, or whether it be his fight against low gas prices, or whether it be his fight against... Uh, against uh you know low energy prices and you know electric bills uh his fight to keep california locked down and vaccination made nation forever and masks forever except for him and others in his circles and then you could go on and on about it i mean his his is bringing on it uh you know a a report your neighbor hotline and making that a, a, a viability in the state actually promoting that and all his other crazy agenda policies and go on and on about it. But if it you could have a great campaign against Gavin Newsom, okay, and his 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 reprobate policies and his public policy issues. But what's interesting is that there was a little bit of a discussion on that the other day and and, and I guess Newsom was commenting on why DeSantis wanted to sub- debate him and he's not even running for president. I think there's some inside circles right now, even with Republicans, as they know they're not going to run against Biden. Biden's not going to be the candidate. So I guess that's where I'm at on all this. I just want to want to reveal what my thoughts are. I don't think, oh, Biden's going to be the candidate. I don't. I don't. I, I believe at some point next year, he's going to step down for some reason. Like, you know, my wife and I talked about it. This is what I want to do. I keep falling down and hitting my head. I can't keep doing that. I need sleep 18 hours a day. I can't leave this country anymore. So I'm going to step down and it's going to put Kamala in there as the president for a very short period of time. But so she'll be on there. But what's going to likely happen is the party is going to insert Gavin Newsom as their candidate, which could be a little bit of a civil war, I think, with Kamala. But who knows? I mean, who knows? But they're going to put somebody on there that they think can beat Trump. okay? and they know Kamala can't and they know that O'Biden can't. Uh, they, they know that, well, they, they have nothing but a hundred year old, you know, uh, you know, people on their, in their party right now, they have a, a geriatricacy going on right now in, in that party. And I think that they, they have a bunch of old people in there. One of them just passed away. Diane Feinstein, she just passed away literally, literally in her mid nineties. Uh, and she was still in Congress. Okay. Now I remember my grandmother, she passed away at 96 years old. I remember telling my grandmother very affectionately. 
but we were there and talking and i went to see her one time just be, just before she passed and you know i was uh you know i visited her and and you know we were chatting about life and how long she's lived and it was really a neat conversation and but 96 years old i can tell you right now when you're 95 96 you shouldn't be president okay i remember my dad uh when he was in his early 80s uh again uh you know, not able to to really be a leader anymore, and there was a lot a lot of uh, mental uh, you know the me- mental decline, and that that the cognitive decline is what brings out the well, it brings out you can see people getting angry, you can see you can see how Biden sometimes starts to yell or whisper, uh, he does the influxes in his voice, his, his voice fluctuations, his tones and. He just, he just, he loses his mind sometimes. He says silly things. He says things he shouldn't say. He reveals national secrets that he should not be talking about. For instance, he was just discussing, he was being interviewed, I believe it was uh, by CNN recently, okay? And he was talking about, you know, how, because he was being asked the question, why are you supplying the Ukraine with weaponry? And he said, because they're, they're running out of munitions. They're running out of munitions. And we're really low on munitions. <laughs> he goes on to say that. And we're really low on munitions. So I would imagine that he did not intend to say that. I would imagine that that was something that his handler said, oops, he just revealed to the entire planet that we don't have the, we're low on munitions and our armaments and our military is low on munitions. He said it. He said it. Now, make no mistake, it's not a harmless discussion. He revealed from the top down that we're low on munitions. So anybody who's looking at taking into this country, now, now on the good side, and on a good note, it wouldn't take us long if we had to gear up to build munitions. It wouldn't take us long. But make no mistake, it could take months to gear, to gear up and get the munitions buildup that you need to fight a war. Months, okay? At the very minimum, we're low on munitions. Our president just told everybody in the world that this country is low on munitions. Now, again, Forward policy-wise, this is what happens. This is what incompetency looks like. This is what a mediocracy looks like. This is what a jury, a, a jurytocracy looks like, which is what a jurytocracy is, which is a guy that's 83 years old that looks like he's 103 who can't keep his, can't, who can't basically know what not to say, who doesn't put a filter on his mouth. And there's all kinds of other things that he said, forgetting where he is or whatever else. But I think what's really compelling is that, believe me, folks, he's telling the world and I think it was totally unintentional that we're low on munitions. You don't go around saying that. You know, you just don't divulge that top secret. But he knows what we have for military munitions. He knows what we have for armament. He knows he's the president. And when he reveals that we're low on something, that's not a good thing to reveal to the enemies of our of our country and our economy all around the world, like China. If China's even thinking about going into Taiwan and they're doing a sneak attack or whatever... Now they know we're low on munitions. Now they might have suspected it, but they got confirmation from our dimension chief. Okay, so you know, I mean, honestly, the the geriocracies, the geriocracies that we have right now, and and this is where we're at. So he puts this out there, and and of course, in his mediocrity that he builds, he puts in Kamala Harris. So she's the person that's beyond behind the scenes. She's the person that talks about you know why why my school buses are yellow. Okay, that's that's it. That's the substance of her conversations, okay? I mean, why school by school buses are yellow, or you know, why why you know, why why it's important for us to have uh, you know uh, you know what you know why it's important for kids today in school to be reading 
to read to be reading Dr. Seuss books. Okay, that this is what she's talking about. Okay, or whatever Disney books. Okay, she's not exactly on the on the cusp. Okay, of leadership. These people aren't on the cutting edge of 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 of, of intelligentsia. Okay, they don't have the mental horsepower. I would submit, folks, if we ever did an IQ test on Kamala Harris, that we would probably find out Kamala's IQ is probably not much more than a, maybe a 105 to 125, which is probably not, it's not dopey, but it's certainly not, it's not vice presidential material. And of course, you're probably going to run into things like, you know, in that realm. And of course, Joe Biden may have been maybe a, at one time a 115 or a 120, but he's quickly slipped off. Now, where I think he's probably running under maybe a 95 or less. I mean, uh, certainly mental decline is there, and he doesn't know what not to say. But when you've got to read cue cards to know what, what reporting to call on in a press conference and what question to ask, when that's what you've got to do, because you can't remember five or seven questions that you're going to ask, you can't remember what you're going to talk about. When you have that kind of mental slippage, you're, you can't, you, there's no way you're going to run for president for four more years. You, you just can't do it. So I'm going to make a prediction that he will not be the nominee. I mean, he'll be the person that they they circulate nomination petitions all across the country because they need to get him through a primary fight. So already you have, I believe, you've got RFK, who is now planning on running as a Democrat, because I think he knows what's going to happen. I think they know what's going to happen. The RFK is, is looking, he's basically going to basically switch his party on October 9th and they'll do it in Pennsylvania after expressing frustration with the Democrat Party. And, you know, RFK feels the DNC is changing the rules or exclude his candidacy. So an independent run is the only way to go, as he's putting it right now. And Kennedy's campaign is allegedly planning on launching attack ads against the Democrat National Committee so that he can pave the way for his announcement in Philadelphia about running as an independent. So why is he doing that? <clears throat> well, because he knows that the party doesn't want him in there. The party wants somebody else. They want the real rock star of the new socialist communist movement, and it is an RFK. RFK is a, is the son of one of the old guard Democrats. Remember, I mean, look, Bobby Kennedy was a was was a dem was a liberal Democrat back in the sixties, but a liberal Democrat in the sixties today is more like what a, a Rhino Republican is today. Okay. I mean, the Rhino Republicans today on the main line, okay, the Rhino Republicans that buy the electric cars so they can show off to their neighbors how they're saving their planet, the Rhino Republicans who support public education for everybody else, but they themselves send their kids off to private school, you know, those kids, those public, those Rhino Republicans, okay, those, those ones that thought it would be a good idea to come in second here in Pennsylvania, getting behind Josh Shapiro and getting, and, and basically leading the leading the minority edge of the of the Republican Party so that they could be in charge, but in the minority in charge. Yeah. The right of Republicans are the are the are the Republicans that are happy to come in second. They're happy to lead the minority party, not the majority, but the minority. Well that's what Bobby Kennedy was. That's what he would be called today. I think Bobby Kennedy and John Kennedy today would be the right of Republicans or what you see today. Okay? They're the Republicans that probably feel that abortion should be ended after at least the first trimester. They're okay with electric cars, but they don't want to outlaw gas cars. Uh, they want it. They, there's just like they're, they're not completely gone over to the socialist end of it. 
Uh, they're okay with some, you know, gas taxes that shouldn't, that you know, that are hurting the middle class. But you know, they 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 believe in lower taxes. You know, they support a lot of the Trump policies. They just don't like Trump. And uh, you know, the Rhino Republicans are the ones that just they, they just like I said, they they don't have any real strong convictions economically. They're okay you know, to support the, the 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 common core. They're okay with critical race theory. They're okay. With, with other things in the schools that are bringing down the, the country. I mean, when you look at what's going on, and, and you know, I, I've said this before, I, I find it really compelling, but, you know, you look at what happened, and, and, and you know, the right of Republicans are the ones that are okay with the teaching, with, with missing, I, I should say, missing the actual teaching of what the first Thanksgiving really was. And I think what's really, really compelling on this is when you understand the first Thanksgiving and what, what it meant, okay? You had Somerset, Somerset, and Squanto, and again, it was at the providential moment that God provided an Indian named Somerset of the Wampanoag tribe, folks. Now, this is the history that this is the exciting, real compelling part of American history that I learned in school. And I, I you know, bottom, the bottom line is they're not teaching this anymore. And and with CRT in the schools, are actually teaching the opposite of something like this. The founding of this country and the the Mayflower Compact and what it was all about and how these were how how the pilgrims were were Christians that were coming over here for religious freedom, but anyway, so they came over here and that the first winter was really horrible and you know many of them were sick and they were going to die and you know at that providential moment, Somerset, who was of the Wampanoag tribe, uh, God provided him. He walked right into the Plymouth camp. And he, he greeted the he greeted the the pilgrims in English. I mean, the only the only Indian on on the entire continent that spoke English, okay, happened to be right there with the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock. It helped convey to them how to get through the first winter. Now think about that, folks. Think about that miracle, you know. And when you understand how that even happened, okay, well, well, Somerset had a friend named Squanto with Squanto. Was actually captured by by um, early settlers, if you will, and I believe it was 1615. And uh, he went; he was taken over to Europe. Uh, you know, he was captured and taken to Europe to be uh, enslaved in Europe. And and basically, is is the the person that purchased him, if you will, died. So he became a free man, and he ended up coming back to this country after he learned English. That was Squanto, and he was a friend of Somerset. So Squanto spoke English because of what happened, and he became, he was a friend of Somerset, and he, he, he taught Somerset English, and I thought it was very, very, it was very, very interesting in how that miracle took place. But that's God's hand. You know, had it not been for those encounters, uh, you know, the, the men and women of Plymouth would, would have, you know, died that first winter. And it's true, I, I, it's an amazing, amazing uh, miracle that happened, and that is not taught in schools today. You know, when you don't, when you have to understand the magnitude, I remember learning this for the first time. And I remember, I remember saying to my teacher at the time, wow, how many, how many Indians in this country, in this, in this land spoke English? Well, he was it. Well, how did he end up over there? I mean, how did he end up there at that precise place? Well, because he was a member of the tribe that was up there. And that tribe uh, had a, uh, had some, some massive problems, health problems going on. So 
you know, he was there and he 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 formed an alliance with uh, John Smith and the and the uh, and the Pilgrims. He formed an alliance with the Pilgrims, and I thought it was really interesting. You know, and it's just you know they they it's just understanding what happened and how it all came to be. So don't miss that. I think when you look at what's going on right now, and the CRT is turning so many people off. It's turning so many people off. But let me just jump back to what I was talking about. Getting back to what I was talking about. Sorry, I jumped there a little bit, but. Anyway, let me get back to what's going on. So, so the the Democrats are, they don't know that they got to find somebody. And so the party gives them the ability to make this appointment. So what they're hoping for, they're hoping what will happen is that they can do this late enough so that there's a very small campaign and then the, then the convention and then the early voting. I mean, quite literally, they can get into this and portray their 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 communist rock star and portray him as the new rock star of the communist left and put this person um the head of the beauty pageant if you will and actually have a a miss universe beauty pageant and vote for a guy based upon everything other than substance okay which is an amazing thing to me you know i i don't really know i haven't done a lot of history on gavin newsom i haven't done a lot of study on gavin newsom but i can tell you right now I don't know what he's really accomplished in life other than have been elected to office like the San Francisco mayor and he was elected to a few things. He also was recalled as a governor or voted. There was a recall effort against him. That actually occurred as well. So, you know, I mean, he was like the first governor to be recalled in California's history. So I would tell you folks that there's something to be said of that. So I think there's a, you know, he doesn't want that discussion out there. He doesn't want a breakdown of his policies and his perceptions of public policy, like outlawing gas cars by 2035 and, you know, mandating electric cars. Okay. And in the sense of saying, this is what you can buy, whether or not the, whether or not the technology is there or not. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, we talked a lot about electric cars last week, but what you realize and people understand is that electric cars can be a real problem with regards to charging and as you know as people uh don't understand but they when they when they go to plug their their car in, it could take them two or three hours to uh get their car charged enough so they can start driving again i mean that's just the facts so many of these people have gas cars like they do here if you go up into lehigh valley or berks county you don't see a lot of electric cars handful you see a handful where you see the electric cars or where the, uh, where the, uh, you know, on the main line here, okay? All the elitists that think, well, I'm going to help, I'm going to show my neighbors how much of a, of an advocate I am uh, to, to save our planet. And I'm going to buy an electric car, but I'm going to keep my other car in the driveway just in case I, I don't have enough charge on my electric car and I want to drive anywhere. But I'll try to remember to keep it plugged in. I mean, this is what happens is so they, they set these things up and electric cars don't, they're not there. And, the other thing that you have to realize is the power grid itself and how the power grid can be such a problem for electric cars. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna insert like here in Pennsylvania, if you're gonna insert all of a sudden insert four million or five million electric cars on the grid all of a sudden, it's gonna put it's gonna put a tremendous drain on the on the already strained electric grid. In California, it's even worse than that. It could be ten million electric cars, okay, on a grid that already experiences roving blackouts. Okay. So these are things that are going on. So they don't want to campaign. 
They don't want a campaign. But Bobby Kennedy is is looking to run his thing as an independent. And this is this is this is tormenting Democrats because he's increasingly critical towards the Democrat Party, blasting them, blasting them for their Marxist authoritarian COVID mandates and their decision in that old primary debates ahead of 2024. And he's often been attacked for being an anti-vaxxer and a conspiracy theorist who doesn't need to depend on Joe Biden to keep his campaign relevant. So Kennedy has received criticism from the communists and, you know, in his party, okay, uh, because of his moderate attitude that goes against what the Democrat, socialist, communists preach and what they want. So in July, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries labeled Kennedy's campaign as a false flag operation that peddles anti-Semitic tropes and baseless xenophobic conspiracy theories, which together are directed at the Jewish community and the Chinese American community. I think that's very, very telling. I think it's interesting how they're calling what they're what they're calling Kennedy's campaign. I mean, I'm amazed at that. This is the first that I'm looking at this and I'm just looking at an article right now, but it, it's really compelling on this. I, I don't, you know, folks, I, I, I see this as, you know, Jeffrey, uh, you know, trying now he's trying to label Kennedy as a right wing political operative. I mean, that's going to be a hard thing to sell folks. I, I just think it is, <clears throat> you know, and uh, you know, it, it didn't help that president Trump is praising the candidate, calling him a common sense guy. So Trump is calling Kennedy a common sense guy. I almost wonder if Trump will run with Kennedy. I almost wonder if he'll run with Kennedy. You know, right-leaning outlets have repeatedly rushed to get Kennedy on their shows because he criticizes Biden and several Democrat policies. And one thing is for sure, you folks, he, although he's not a Republican, he's helping conservatives and helping Republicans, helping America first direct the narrative so they can focus on the issues most appealing to them. Not like they did in this last, uh, not like they did in this last debate. I just think it's a very, very compelling thing. You know, in this last debate, I thought was funny was the debate that just happened. Some of the topics they focus on. Now, this this is a this is a Republican debate, and they're talking about gun violence. I think what's interesting is they say, well, what are you going to do about gun violence? What are you going to do about all these new all these new illegal immigrants that are here? We're going to have a new amnesty program for them. How we're going to leave? How we're going to allow all them to stay? What's your plan for that? You know, and, you know, how are you going to, you know, I mean, how, you know, and then they start defending the cartels, which I think is very, very interesting. I just think it's interesting when you look at how they're conducting themselves, how they're trying to label the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the Republicans right now, at least trying to get them off their message. You know, it's not part of the Republican message plan to be talking about amnesty or, gun violence you know what's interesting is i see these liberals today they're calling gun violence they're actually saying we're going to label any illegal shooting like a murder uh that happens with a gun we're going to we're going to label it gun violence so what's interesting is the republicans get all stymied on how they're going to talk about this so here they are and they need to get better at this so it's good that i guess these questions are coming out they need to get better at how they're going to handle these questions so what i mean by that is they, they need to figure out, for instance, uh, when they say gun violence, you say, well, how about just any violence? How about we stamp out any violence with a larger level of violence than the than the violence of the uh, than the than the violence of the perpetrator that are perpetrating illegal violence against innocent people? Why don't we just say any violence against the innocent? How about we just say that? 
whether it be violence with a fist, a club, a stick, or a gun, or a knife, doesn't matter. Any violence perpetrated against innocent people is violence we need to be stamping out. This is a, a discussion point that we can, as Republicans, start to have. And we can start pointing this out that, that the Democrats are actually parsing out just the gun violence. <clears throat> so the Democrats go through and they say, well, you know, you got all this violence, all this gun violence. What about the other violence that's going on? The violence without the gun. I mean, think about that. You know, it's funny. When you talk about crime, how do you stamp out crime? You stamp out crime with more force than the criminals are putting out there. You use enough force to stamp it out. How do you stamp out violence? How do you stamp out gun violence? How do you stamp out club violence? How do you stand out knife violence? How do you stand out, you know, violence against whatever? And, you know, and, and with a car or whatever. How do you How do you stamp out violence in general? You stamp it out with more force than what the perpetrators are using in the violent acts themselves. You take enough, you use the law, to you leverage the law in such a way where these criminals don't get away with it. Then you keep them in jail, okay? You have to be determined to do it. A community, a, a community, a nation, a culture, a society, it's all defined, folks. It's all defined by what it does not accept. When we as a society say no to all violence, not just gun violence, all violence. When we as a society say no, okay, to, to illegal drug use, no to illegal drug smuggling, and no to illegal drug selling and usage. When we as a society say no to substandard education, when we as a society say no to high gas prices, okay, we say no to higher cost of living, no to a lower standard of living. When we as a society say we will not accept a lower standard of living, we as a society will not accept high crime in our neighborhoods, we as a society will not accept public policy that contradicts parental's parent, parental rights the rights to raise your children and your family. When we as a society will no longer accept curriculum in our schools that teaches our children how to be revolutionaries and how to hate their country or how they how they want to rewrite history. Okay, when we as a society say no to that, when we as a society say no to murdering our fuel production, our energy production, and murdering the middle class in this country. When we as a society say no to all of this, then we will begin the healing process of electing people that will give us public policy that is sensible and right for Americans. When we as a society say no to no more surrender to terrorists, no more surrender, okay? We're not, when we as a society say no to the Ukraine war, because of, of what it's going to cost to continue to stay in it, okay, when there's no more Ukrainians left to fight over there, when we as a society say, wait a minute, let's get out of this mess. It sounds familiar to Vietnam when you think about it. In go the advisors, and in go the troops, and then, and then in goes a long, long war that killed 50,000 plus Americans not to mention maiming many, many others. I, I mean, the Ukraine war right now is, is really a mess, okay? 
And and again, as a society, we need to say, stop funding these people, okay, and stop the killing over there and bring them to the table to bring peace and stability again to Europe so we can have lower energy costs, so we can start the cycle again with trading with countries economically, okay, that can benefit our country. You know, all these trade policies that we had with these countries like Russia and others have all been disrupted. And this disruption is causing higher prices. You know, what we're seeing right now as a society is we, and we need to understand that, you know, you're, you're seeing the, the phoniness that's going on in these reprobates and they're literally, they're blind to what's going on. Oh, Biden thinks that he can, well, he isn't thinking to, he does not want to lower energy costs. He wants to raise them. Oh, Biden wants to perpetuate the war in the Ukraine. He wants to, he wants higher energy costs. He wants inflation nation. I mean, listen, we as a country need to say no to any more vaccinations unless they're thoroughly tested. I can't imagine for the life of me why we put a vaccination out again that's been tested on five mice and it's now being put out there by the CDC for anybody over the age of six months old when they know that half the women that have been vaccinated are suffering from irregularities through their monthly cycles. They know this is happening. They know this is happening. They, the many women have suffered irregularities, some very serious changes. These are things they understand, let alone the problems they have with, with multiple sclerosis or, or other issues re, 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 you know, surrounding what's going on with health issues, hearts, heart problems, you know, uh, you know, blockages in the in the in the in the arteries and blood blood clots and brain fog and you know I mean whatever else they got going on I mean pulmonary issues, nerve issues, I mean you got people suffering right now. You got you got, I mean it's just unbelievable what they they understand the adverse effects that are going on right now with the vaccination, the millions and millions of adverse effects that have already been been reported. And of course, the, the 10 times that number that's not reported, okay? When you look at the fact that this country's already va- put out about a half a, half a billion, 500 million vaccinations, and have had easily five or 6,000 reported, reported, I should say, uh, 50 or 60,000, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me put, take that back, that have had at least 50 or 60,000 reported irregularities, and we know that being one-tenth of what likely is. So it could be as high as a half a million. Well, think about it like this. If it's one in 500 that your problem is, if you've if you got a one in 500 or one in 700 chance of having an irregular, or I should say an adverse effect, if you will, from a vaccination to a virus that you, well, will not have nearly the adverse effect on your body if you were to have it, that you're likely going to survive. So when you look at it, you think, okay, I have a one in seven or a one in eight hundred chance of having an adverse reaction that could be damaging to my body. That's a greater chance of me suffering more than you know suffering more greatly than if I actually caught the virus itself that the vaccine is supposed to protect me from, and what I would suffer from it. In other words, with an informed consent decision, you understand that a one in seven or eight hundred chance of a serious adverse reaction is worse than you know a one in 10 
advert a serious that uh, 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 you know risk of a, a serious reaction to the virus itself. It's the truth, folks. You can bank on Denver. Trust me when I tell you. I mean, quite literally, it's one tenth out of one percent that they know that. I mean, one is like ten out of a thousand people that get the virus end up with serious effects from it. Ten out of a thousand. I mean, that's just like one tenth of one percent. I mean, think about it. If the chances are are much better and much greater with the vaccination and having a problem with the from the vaccine, a serious problem with the vaccination. And and again, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just anti-this. Okay. And I'll also say this as well. We got to understand what 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 happens from all this. These are the people. Again, this is the public policy. These are the people that that Robert Kennedy is not happy with. And this is why Trump is leading in the polls. And this is why even in Georgia, I think was interesting was it must drive Brian Kemp nuts, nuts that that Trump is almost sixty percent in Georgia Republican polls. The recent polls that came out, he's running at like fifty eight percent were Republicans. Nobody and nobody's over fifteen percent. Uh, there might be one or two over nine percent. One of them being fifteen percent, and the other one being like nine or ten. That everybody else is lower than that. Think about it, folks. I mean, Trump is the choice of Republicans in every state, and they know it and they don't understand it. It's sort of like I heard. Uh, I heard. Uh, I can't think of her name. Oh my goodness, I can't think of her name. Donna Brazil, but Donna Brazil, who worked for, uh, she worked for Hillary Clinton. She made a comment. She said, "This." This stuff with Donald Trump is really, really amazing. She says, I can't, I can't even believe it. Here's a guy that's been indicted 91 times. Now, just to give you guys, for instance, I want all listeners to understand what my issues with all of this is. Donald Trump has actual, he has more indictments than John Gotti had. Okay. He has more indictment than Al Capone had. He has more indictments than any other racketeering mafia guy ever had that was ever arrested under the RICO charges anyway, ever had. I don't think there's ever been a criminal on planet Earth that had been you know, a criminal in this country that has ever been arrested. Um, I'm, like Dillinger didn't have 91 counts on him. Okay, I mean, you, you think about this. You think about all the all the counts that are against the president here. Un- 91 counts is an amazing amount of counts. 91 accounts. Anyway, so here he is in Georgia. Now, of course, that's total. That's all the different indictments he's got. But 91. That's a lot. And so here we are in Georgia, and you got this 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 feeble thing going on there. The, I, I mean, it's a big it's a big sham show going on in Georgia, and there's a lot of Republicans looking to fight this. And of course, Brian Kemp's not. They don't want this to happen. There's no special session being called. He's going to let this go. They're going to try to take Trump down, and all it is is upsetting Republicans. It's upsetting voters. I mean, it's it's making Trump a a a a victim to be pitied, if you will, by the by by some people in the left. But there's a lot of people that really aren't part of that left, that left side of America. There are people that are not America haters, but bought into the media hype, hyperbole, if you will, if you will, the hype against Trump. They bought into it. Now they're seeing this as just the hype, and they they feel bad for the guy. They can't believe this is what's happening to him, and they know it's a sham. Everyone knows. Everyone knows this is election interference. Everybody knows it. They all see it. It's, I mean, everyone understands what election interference is when they see it. And they know what this is. It's election interference. So they see all of this going down on Trump. And he's he's picking up in the polls. He's beating Biden by a ton. Oh, Biden's favorables are, I mean, honestly, I think he's running about 32%, 33%. And that's really bad. You've got six out of 10 Americans believe right now he should, he should not be president. 
six out of ten total Americans, which is bad. You can't win an election when sixty percent of the country say no, you shouldn't be president. You know, now obviously it's like nearly all Republicans, but it's fifty percent of Democrats. Fifty percent of Democrats don't want him to be president. Now think about this. This is why they understand this. So my guess is you're going to see a a freak phenomenon that's going to occur. This is going to be their trick. They're going to try to pull out of their sleeve, sort of like the COVID lockdowns where they could keep Biden under under lock and key in his basement and prevent Trump from having big rallies like in Minnesota. They wouldn't let him have any rallies. So, you know, during the campaign season. So this is what they're all voting for and hoping for. And again, it's just very compelling. So you're looking at what's happening here. And so Trump is actually clicking up in the polls and Donna Brissot can't believe it. She's sitting there. Nobody can believe it. They're all saying, I can't believe what I'm seeing, even though it's happening right in front of me. I can't believe it. Well, this is a phenomenon they understand. So they're they're looking right now at a they're looking to basically uh, click the 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 ejector seat, if you will, the ejector seat. They're looking to eject the pilot on this crash and burn plane, okay? And just before the plane does the crash and burn, okay, the final cross, the final crash and burn, they're going to eject the pilot. They're going to get him into the seat. They're going to get him elected through the primary. Then they're going to eject him out. And parachute in a guy like Gavin Newsom. So you heard it first here. Well, maybe you heard it someplace else. I've heard that discussion around, uh, but I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Gavin Newsom makes, he's the guy I, I think they can put in there. But there's others that I've heard talk about and, and whatnot. But I just think that, you know, what you're what you're seeing right now with the Democrats and they're rejecting Bobby Kennedy. I think that's an amazing thing. And when you actually had Hakeem Jeffries, Come out, come out, and call Kennedy an anti-Semitic. I I thought that was that's unbelievable. I mean, I think it's unbelievable that he would call Kennedy something like that. I mean, he claimed Kennedy and his right-wing political operatives. I mean, what what is he talking about? He's trying to say he's trying to say that that Bobby Kennedy is a, a right-wing political operative. I I I mean, I I don't see that. But whatever the case is, the recent poll had had. Uh, the New, New Hampshire Democrats to to describe Kennedy in one word. The top response from the Democrats was dangerous, insane, conspiracy, unknown. <clears throat> so he he's not getting any traction with the Democrats, and he's upset because he can't get any traction. He can't get any. He can't get the debates. He's not having a discussion. They don't like him. They don't like Bobby Kennedy. But see, today's Democrat. I've been saying on this show for a long time, and we've been hearing it a long time on the show our listeners have but the Dem- this is not the democrats that that we remember in our in our childhood i mean this is not the kennedy branch of the party i mean this is maybe the ted kennedy branch of the party but it's even worse than him now if that's even possible <clears throat> what you're seeing right now with the democrats is you're seeing an authoritarian totalitarianism i mean where they're actually saying no to debates they don't want old Biden out there doing debates. They don't want to put Bidenomics on debate. They know it's indefensible to to defend high gas prices by at the same time cutting gas leases. They know that's indefensible. They know it's indefensible for for them as a for, for him to, to to explain his his saying that we're low on munitions while he's saying the Ukrainians are also low, but we are too on emissions. That's like that is somebody that just forgot where he was and who he was talking to. And here he is. I mean, saying this. I mean, it's unbelievable. But they don't want they don't want that guy debating Bobby Kennedy or anybody else. You know, th- this is what they're doing. So 
they're trying to derail Bobby Kennedy. They don't want Bobby Kennedy in there. Uh, you know, RFK Jr., they don't want him in there, okay? But this is Robert F. Kennedy's son, okay? I think it's very, really compelling. And, of course, his dad was 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 assassinated. We all remember what happened. But, you know, he it's, 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 it's his son. And, and again, um, look, he, he has, in my opinion, uh, there are some aspects of him I think that people like personally. I mean, I'm going to vote for Trump. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to vote Republican, folks. Uh, but I and I think it's going to be Trump. I think that's the that's the case we're going to see. But Gingrich right now, he made some comments about the race being over, and I, I agree with him. You know, I mean, I've heard some comments on that. But you have to realize Trump is going to be the nominee, and everyone has to make they may as well, you know, quit having the various debates because they don't work anyway, and they're not helping anybody. <clears throat> and we're right now we're seeing this right now amongst. You know, Trump supporters coming out there saying, why are we doing these? Everyone can agree Trump's going to be the nominee. The question now is for everybody is to see what, you know, to see Joe Biden, you know, to see him for what he really is. You know, there is no middle ground between between Biden and Trump. Would you think about it? And I want you to understand something. Where is the middle ground? And let's just let's just talk a little bit about abortion itself. You know, when you believe life begins at the point of conception, the point that the life actually begins, then you believe that. And of course, if you believe that babies can be killed up to right up to birth, where even a baby who survives an abortion can be allowed to die without medical treatment. When you believe that, when you're a reprobate and you believe something like as evil, as vile as that, where's the common ground? Like, where do you where do you meet that person halfway? So when you're a pro-life and you believe life begins at conception, where do you meet the person that begins that believes that babies who survive abortions should be left to die without medical treatment? Where do you meet that guy halfway? Where do you meet that person halfway? Is it like, well, why don't we outlaw abortions after the first trimester or the second trimester? Where is the halfway point? Where is that person? Where is a person who literally believes that? Where is that person going to compromise with you? What point? So this is what ends up happening is the people that have the sensibility, the people that have the objectivity, the people that have any sense of humanity left in them, they're the ones that are being asked to compromise to those that have no sense of humanity, no sense of objectivity, okay, and no sense of of rational behavior whatsoever. Those are the people that believe, as I stated, that men can have babies and that you know, babies can be aborted even after they survive an abortion, be left to die. Those people, okay, are always the ones that cannot compromise. You see, that's the truth, because the only people, compromise is only possible in people that are rational. Compromise is only possible in individuals who want peace and tranquility and who want to get along. Compromise is not possible in anybody, okay, who does not want to get along. It's not possible in anybody, okay, who wants to argue to the bitter end, who is not, compromise is not possible with anybody, okay, who believes in insanity as reality, who live in a world of, of, of pretend, if you will. They live in their own fake dimension, okay? I mean, when you believe, like I stated before, that men can have babies, what kind of public policy can that person possibly come up with? When you believe it's okay to wear a hoodie and shorts into the U.S. Senate, when you believe you can disrespect that that 
institution like that as to where you don't need to dress with a, a pair of slacks and a tie. When you don't want to present yourself presentable, when you don't have enough respect for yourself to present yourself as presentable, okay, and you have to have, you have to have, you uh, you know, um, rules set in place, okay, that that put into place, you know, dress codes because you don't know how to dress and be sensible. Where is the compromise with that person? Where is it even possible? When you believe that outlawing private health care is a good thing, where is the compromise with that person? You see, these are things as Americans, we when you believe that China, it's okay that China can make the electric car batteries, and it's okay that we, through public policy, through public policy, actually force an industry down Main Street USA so that investors make money in this industry that was created by government policies, public policies, new laws, whatever, regulations. And what's going to drive that industry are items and components that are made in a country that is our direct adversary, economic adversary. When you believe that that kind of public policy is okay, then where is the compromise with that person? You see, folks, we have to understand, and Bobby Kennedy's getting a face full of this now, we have to understand that what we're up against with the Democrats is they're literally supporting, okay, they literally support, and I think that there's no question about it, any public policy that can bring down this country. They hate America. That's why on our show we call them America-hating Democrats. Well, folks, we have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in and being with us today on this Saturday morning right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. Thank you for being with us every Saturday for the last five years, folks. It means so much to us. Thank you for being with us. See you later on today on our show, The Watch. we got a good good 30-minute show lined up, so tune in later today at 1 p.m. for that right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. See you next week on The Point, folks. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.